All right, this morning, um, I want us to talk about something else that's awesome and, tr- and hard to find words to describe, and that is, uh, that is the grace of God, the grace of God. And the title of today's message is What Grace Gives Us, What Grace Gives Us. And I want to I look at it this morning from the, from the standpoint that God's grace is more than forgiveness. God's grace is more than forgiveness. And I'll ask you this before we read our scripture. If you've ever really thought deeply about the grace of God, grace can be one of those words like righteousness and salvation and, and justification. And it can sound like a churchy word, and we feel like we know what it means. And we can even look it up and go, hmm, okay. But do we really understand it? Um, it's one of those words, it's one of those things that the more you think about it, the more you study it, the more you try to understand it, the deeper you can go and the more amazed you become. I don't know any other way to put it. We can bypass it very easily. Oh, thank God for his grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Uh, I don't know where I'd be without the grace of God. And yet, we can say that, and then after we've said it, it's like an afterthought, and we don't ponder it and and try to go deeper with it. So that's what I'm asking us to do this morning. And whether you consider yourself a seasoned saint or a new believer or maybe even somebody who is just exploring all of this Jesus stuff and trying to figure out if it's for real, uh, I think you would agree that this is a big subject and it's more than we can cover in one sermon. But there is so much to the grace of God that we don't understand Let's start trying to understand it this morning. So let's read. We're just going to read a couple of verses here from Titus chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 11 through 14. Titus 2, 11 through 14. Beginning with verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar, peculiar, there's that word again, peculiar people, zealous of good works zealous of good works so one thing i really and really i guess the the main thing that i want to talk about this morning and the idea that i want to give you is that grace is more than just forgiveness god sends his grace to show you and me a new way to live a new way to live see Salvation is not accepting Christ and understanding that you're forgiven and then just being like you've always been and doing what you've always done. There will probably be a semblance of that in your life. There will probably be that pull and that tug to live the old way. But he has changed something within us that puts in us a desire for things to be different right like elizabeth just sang there a few minutes ago so it's more than just forgiveness and forgiveness is big but it's more than that it is giving us a new way to live and i want to jump start this whole idea by telling you a story and it's not a pleasant story and it's not it's not a story that i'm telling that i have anybody in mind when i tell it it's just a story but it is indicative of things that happen in this world today unfortunately. But this story I want to tell you is the story of an abusive husband and his wife. An abusive husband and his wife. And this husband is prone to fits of rage and anger. And in those moments, he can turn violent and he can strike out. And, of course, hearing that, we think we, we know some people who are going through those types of things or 
We've heard about it or we've seen it on TV or in movies. But he's prone to violence like the time that he slapped her across the face while they were having an argument. And not understanding why he did what he did, he ran from the house and went to a quiet place and trembled and cried and asked himself over and over again, why did I do this? Why did I do this? Why did I hurt her in that way? And the wife, which we see this so often, she really loved her husband a lot. She loved her husband a lot because she, she fell in love with him, and he has good qualities. But this is a man who is flawed. This is a man who is not perfect. And she feared that the next time that this happened, maybe there would be an injury that wouldn't heal. Maybe something would happen that would be really, really bad. But she stayed with her husband. She stayed with him because every time that this happened, he sincerely, sincerely came back and asked her to forgive him. She begged for forgiveness. He begged for forgiveness. And she felt that it was her Christian duty to extend that grace and that forgiveness to him. And maybe therein is part of the problem because the only thing that she knew of the grace of God was forgiveness. And you're like, well, what's wrong with that? I said, well, really, you know, that's a good thing, but it's not just forgiveness. That's the point I'm trying to get across. Because this, this whole life, the whole life that this woman have, has lived, she's been told that she is powerless over sin and that God's grace came to forgive her and God's grace came to restore her into a relationship with God. Yep, sounds good. We like that. That's what we've been taught. And she was also a Christian that believed that if God had forgiven her, then she should extend that same grace and forgiveness to other people, and in her mind, especially to her husband, especially to him. So she got a small piece, or she had a small understanding of what the grace of God was. It is God's grace that forgives, and it is God's grace that restores and I'm going to tell you, forgiveness is awesome, isn't it? It is, it is awesome to know that the things that the sin that I have committed and committing will commit, those sins have been paid for and taken care of at the cross. And that forgiveness is big. It's a big, big deal for us. It needs to be a big deal for us. It is a big deal for us. And we should do what she is doing. We should extend forgiveness towards other people because that's what God has given to us. But here's the deal. Grace does not stop at forgiveness. Grace does not stop at forgiveness. And it's almost like in this story we can see that forgiveness alone was what was leading this woman to stay in this life of torment. Because as he does what he does, it is my responsibility to forgive. And he's going to do it again. And when he does it again, it is my responsibility to forgive. And we see a vicious cycle that takes place. And I feel like you feel like I do. And you want to say, get out of that, get out of that house. It's not safe. Get out of that house. It is not safe for you to be in there. And, you know, you don't want to remain in a home where you are at risk of injury and possibly at risk of death. But I, I, I finish that off by saying this, that grace when we truly realize grace, what it means is a changed life. Now, we've heard of that. We've heard of that. Well, that makes sense. We've talked about a changed life, new heart, new desires, changed life. He came to change us. But still yet, when we think about grace and we think about situations like this, we are prone to hone in on forgiveness and stay there and preach that, which is an important part of it. But it's not all of it. Grace means a changed life. I want you to look at this husband. This husband is trapped. We've seen in the story that when these things happen, when this violence happened, he runs off and he is at odds with himself. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know why he's doing it. So he's trapped in these emotions. He is trapped in this behavior. He is trapped in the thoughts that he has. And he is ruining their life together. And he is ruining her life 
and he is going to ruin his life as well. So if you can, if you can muster up, if you can muster up a sympathetic view of this man, and I know it's hard to do, because I know that within a lot of us, if not most of us, if not all of us, we're thinking, let me see him in a dark alley, and I'll teach him a thing or two. You know, we're, we're thinking that. But if we can muster up a sympathetic view of him, we will understand that he is a tormented soul, and he is in desperate need. He is in desperate need of having something other than getting his, his dirty slate wiped clean. He needs more than that. He needs more than just to be forgiven. He needs more than just to understand that, that it's okay. Because grace doesn't mean just forgiveness, but it's something that changes us. Grace is something that changes us more and more into something that looks like who? Jesus. Grace changes us into something that looks like Jesus. And speaking of Jesus, he's the third person in this marriage. Yeah, he's the third person. I'm not preaching polygamy here. No, no, it's, that's an important part of marriage counseling and understanding of marriage in a Christian marriage that Jesus is the third member. And we could no more imagine Jesus leaving this husband in the state that he's in and doing the things that he's doing, just leaving him there, than we could imagine Jesus walking up to a homeless man and saying, God, I hope you find a place to sleep tonight. And good luck finding food. See ya. We couldn't imagine that, could we? Jesus is going to find him a place to, eat, uh, to sleep. Jesus is going to get him some food. And we know from last week that it's probably going to be fish. <laughs> Just a little joke there. But we can't imagine. We can't imagine that, that Jesus would just leave a person in that type of a situation. So beyond these characters in this story is a greater question for you and me. What about us? What about me? What about you? What about, what about us? Would a grace-filled God, and we believe he is full of grace and the giver of grace, would he leave us in the condition that he finds us? Is he going to leave us in the condition that he finds us? Is he going to spend the rest of his days? I want you to listen to this very clearly. Is he going to spend the rest of his days reminding us of our shortcomings and demanding again and again prayers of repentance and sorrow without lifting even one finger to give us the power that we need to gain victory over sin? Is he going to do that? Let me say that again. Is he just going to live the rest of his life and hours reminding us of our shortcomings and expecting prayer after prayer, asking, uh, telling him we're sorry, I'm sorry I did it again, I'm sorry I did it again, I'm sorry I did it again? Is he going to say go and sin no more without giving us the power to sin no more? Think about that. We say I can't help myself. And you know, I guess in a way we're telling the truth, but God can help myself. And that's, that's the grace that we're talking about. And you know, this little story that I gave you, it's a disturbing story. It's disturbing most of all because it's true. We see it all over the world, and it is prevalent in the Christian community. And hearing that grabs our attention, doesn't it? It gets us to thinking, you know, we're supposed to be different. We're not supposed to be as the world is. We're supposed to be able to love. We're supposed to be able to forgive we're not supposed to hold grudges. We're not supposed to go day after day, week after week, without approaching a person that we have ought against and trying to make it right. We're not supposed to do that. And is it, that, is, it a, is it a big stretch from that to getting angry and then getting violent? This, do we need to do like Barney Fife says? <laughs> nip it in the bud? And we need to let God nip it in the bud. I, never, I did not intend on saying that at all. Uh, but here's the deal, you know, if God's grace is all about forgiveness, then why does the Word of God have so much to tell us about living differently and being changed and being different? And He would not leave you alone or me alone in the same state, in the same rage, in the same addiction, or in the same even isolation 
that we're in. He doesn't want us to have that. That's bondage. And Christ came so that we could be what? Free. Set free. Absolutely. So the problem is not with God. And the problem is not with grace. The problem is my, mine and your understanding of grace. And what grace is and what grace can do. And he will not leave us to ourselves any more than he would leave a beggar on the street to fend for himself. And if we believe that that's the kind of God we have, then we are misrepresenting God, and that's our problem. That's our problem. This is what grace does. Grace forgives, but grace also guides. Grace does forgive, but it also guides us. Now, let's set aside the question of heaven after we, we die for just a second. And let's ask this question. What about heaven while we're here? Did he, came that, did he come so that we could experience heaven one day, but also that we could experience heaven while we're here? That we could enjoy a little bit of heaven in the form of his grace that is leading us and guiding us to live in a better way. Every, our everyday lives are just alive with the grace of God. So here's what we can, we can say about that. If we wait, if we wait until we have sinned to call upon the grace of God, if we wait until we have sinned to call upon the grace of God, then we have, we have kind of missed the best part or the best benefit of grace. Because grace not only restores, but it also guards us. So it forgives and it restores, but it guides us and it guards us. Think about those things. It instructs us, as the scripture that we read today, it instructs us to deny ungodly ways. Deny the ways of the world. It instructs us to do that, and then it teaches us a bunch of how-tos. It teaches us how to live uprightly. It teaches us how to live sensibly. It teaches us how to live godly lives in this present day and time that we live in. It does. Now, we would probably all agree that the Scriptures do teach us that we are saved by grace. That's, that's, that's a given. Hopefully, we all understand that. But the good news is that we can experience salvation not just there and then when we get to heaven, but we can experience salvation and we can experience heaven and the kingdom here and now as well through his grace through the grace of god scripture tells us that the kingdom will bring righteousness peace and joy but a gracious holy spirit wants to lead us into righteousness peace and joy in our everyday life and righteousness peace and joy that's heaven amen that's what the kingdom is all about and he wants us to be able to experience that in our lives today and if all we understand about grace is i've been forgiven i've been forgiven and we don't grab hold of this new way to live but i've also been given a new way to live a new way to be a new way to go out and do life with god it's so much more than just forgiveness and speaking of the kingdom and speaking of heaven i think one of the concepts that kind of keeps us from really getting into an understanding of grace is the idea that we feel like we have to attain the kingdom of God, that we have to attain or achieve heaven. When you cannot attain and you cannot achieve heaven, it can only be received. You can't work towards it because it is freely given. It is freely given. That's important for us to know as well, important for us to remember. So, how are we going to receive the grace of the kingdom of God today? The Bible shows grace as something that continues to reach into our lives day after day in more ways than we expect. And that's what this scripture told, told us today. You know, this scripture talks about grace in ways that we're familiar with and we understand. But it also talks about grace maybe in ways that we're not familiar with and we haven't always thought about. Now, do you know who wrote this? book y'all know a guy named paul paul wrote this book and he wrote it under the inspiration of course of the holy spirit and he was writing to a young pastor this young pastor's name was titus 
And he had traveled with Paul, and Titus had been trained by Paul. And right now, Titus was pastor at a church in Crete that was close to the isle. It was an island near Greece. And he had a lot of love for Titus. Paul loved Titus and had a lot of affection for Titus. And he even considered Titus his true child in the faith. And these are the things that he said. And I want to kind of go over again the scripture that we read. He said, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to everybody. It's appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And it teaches us to live with self-control and to be upright and live a godly life. And it, it teaches us to live that way in the here and now while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So we see the word grace in this passage, and we see it alongside of words like self-control and upright and godly lives. And if, again, if grace is just for forgiveness, why is Scripture talking about this learning a new way to live in the here and now? If, if all grace is, is forgiveness. And I'd say most of us are probably familiar with the grace that brings salvation. We, we would all understand that. We would all agree to that. But many of us have never heard about a grace that teaches us to say no to things that we shouldn't be involved in ungodly things, worldly things, and one that helps us to be self-controlled and live an upright and godly life. We think about those things, but do we ever think about those things in conjunction with grace? We think about in conjunction with grace and that it is more than just being forgiven. And I think we would agree, too, that, that grace is, is instrumental in us Securing heaven, which will happen one day. But it is also beneficial and helpful for us to nurture us and to help us, to guide us and to guard us right now. Right now. And I don't know about you, but you know, some days, sometimes I say things like, what am I going to do? I need some help here. This is too hard. I can't do this. And... What you need to do and what I need to do in those moments is take a step back and revisit what the grace of God is. The grace of God is giving me the ability to say no and to live the way he wants me to. That's the grace of God. If he just left us to fend for ourselves after we'd been forgiven and promised a seat on the heavenly express to heaven, if he just left us on our own, then that's really not grace, is it? We've been forgiven, but what about helping me now? You know, I felt like that. I felt like when I got my first job at Sears, and they threw me in the candy counter, and I didn't know what I was doing. And somebody came and said, I wanted two pounds of chocolate-covered peanuts. And I didn't know what to do with that. And then they wanted me to pop popcorn and make ices, too. And I'm thinking, what, what do you think? Who, you know, what am I, how am I supposed to do this? And there was a young lady there. Uh, I say young lady, but she was older than me at the time, and she's older than me now, right? That makes sense. And she, she, she said, don't worry, I'll show you what to do. Don't worry about it. I know it's overwhelming. But, you know, this is where you weigh the candy, and you use the scoop to scoop out the candy, and you put the candy in a bag, and you give it to them and take their money. How much easier could it be? I don't know. But let's take a look at the Scripture again, and, and, and I've got a couple of points I want to bring out, and we'll be done this morning. But let's look at what our, our passage, just four verses, are telling us about grace. And the first thing is very, very familiar, and we've already talked about it, said it several times. First of all, grace brings salvation. And this is the part that most all Christians know about, and it is wonderful. Grace that brings salvation is wonderful. Because when you remember what your life was like before you were saved, and you think about what your life is like now, you know, there may be a lot, of, a lot of similarities. You had troubles then, you got troubles now. But you know something that you didn't know before. You know you have an advocate. You know you have a friend. You know you have a mediator between you and God. 
You know that you have somebody that is with you at all times. You know that you got somebody that's going to help you to make the right choices and the right decisions. You got somebody with you that loves you at all times. Those are just a few of the things you know. So this grace that brings salvation is a beautiful thing. And this is the gospel. And this is what we need to go around and, and we need to be telling people. Amen. These are the things that people who are walking around without any hope need to hear. And the fact that grace brings salvation, that is foundational to our faith. Foundational to our faith. Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace you have been saved. Could not be any clearer than that. It's like one plus one equals two. One plus one equals two. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not from yourself. It is the gift of God. So it is not anything that I can do or work hard to attain or cross my fingers and hope hard to keep. It is not me. It is not about me. It is about him and what he has done. It is from him. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. And that's kind of the starting point. That's where it all begins, right? Because there's more to it from there. And that's just the beginning. And you want to go deeper and deeper in from there. So the next point we see in the scripture that we read is that grace is going to teach us to say no. Repeat after me. No. Satan comes along. You want to do this? You say. But it's going to be a lot of fun and nobody will ever find out. Still don't want to. Do you want to do it? That's, see how easy that was? Just keep practicing that. I'm not saying, don't all, you know, if you go to work and your boss and you, you think your boss is kind of has his own set of horns and he asks you to do something, don't look at him and say, no, don't do that. Don't do that. He is, we wrestle not with flesh and blood that he's not your adversary, the enemy is. Okay, so grace teaches us to say no. And here's, here's the thing. God does not want us to stay continually and forever trapped in a cycle of, tempt, of sin and condemnation. He does not want us to be trapped in that cycle of sin and condemnation. Here's what grace does. It keeps on working for us. It keeps on teaching us. It teaches us how to resist temptation. It teaches us how to resist ungodliness. And it is, you know, it is something that you and I can call on before we sin. The grace of God is something that we can call on before we actually fall into sin. And in that, we see that our God has a Father's heart because He wants to protect us. He wants to keep us from that sin that will destroy us. And that is the Father's heart. Not just to forgive you, but in His grace to guide you. And in His grace to guard you. And so... It angers me when people accuse God of being unfair. And they say, well, I'm not going to follow a God that won't allow me to do this. And I'm not going to follow a God who tells me to do that. When I see the love that our Father has, not just for me, but for people who say things like that. And think, think things like that. And listen, God's not just teaching us to say no to steal our fun. Even though we've all probably experienced or felt that at some point, He is not teaching us to say no to keep us from having fun. He is keeping us from things that if left unchecked, they again, they will destroy us. They will destroy us. And since we live in community with other believers, it will also affect those around us. So He wants to help us before it even happens by teaching us how to say no. See, think about this. Think about somebody, an engineer, that, that designs an elevator. And this elevator is designed to hold so much weight. You know, it has a, a, a capacity. You, you don't need to go above the maximum capacity. But let's just say that everybody in that building says, hey, let's see how many of us can get on the elevator at the same time. And so everybody in the building tries to get into that elevator, and it far surpasses the weight limit. It's not going to end well, is it? Especially if they started things out on the top floor. You've got a long way down. Let's say it's a 20-story building. Just for, just for fun. But here's the deal. They're exceeding the design of the builder. See, he put parameters in place. And he says, 
stay within this and everything's going to be okay. Stay here. Stay within these boundaries. Stay within these parameters. Don't exceed them and things will be okay. Things will be fine. That's why God is saying these things. That's why he's helping us to say no. We are, we are spiritual beings. He has created us to be spiritual beings. And we are in this body, this earthly body, so that we can react and live on this earth that he created for us. But ultimately, he created us to be intimately connected with him in a relationship. And we were never meant, never meant to carry the weight of sin. These bodies were not made to carry the weight of sin. Is that why they are deteriorating? Is that why we will lose this one and get a new one? Because we weren't created to carry the weight of sin. And when sin comes into our lives, it begins a process of collapse. Like that elevator is going to collapse and go down. If too many people stay in that elevator. If we stay in this sin and continue in this sin, then devastation will result. So grace is more than just forgiveness. It helps us to say no. Two more and I'll be done. Grace teaches us. This is the third one. Grace teaches us how to live. And he does this by replacing our sinful habits and our sinful patterns with self-control. So that we can live upright and godly lives. We can have self-control. We've got areas, we've all got areas in our life that we need to exercise a little more self-control. Some of us like to eat. You know, some of us, some of us watch too much TV. Some of us spend too much time on social media. Uh, some, of us, some of us work out too much. Some, you know, we can do everything to the extreme, can't we? Um, but th- this self-control that he teaches us is a good thing. And it's, it's not a result of trusting in our works and what we can do, but rather it's allowing grace to teach us how to say no when we feel like we're overdoing it or shouldn't be involved in something. And it starts by saying no to things that are not a part of God's character. And it ends with a new way of thinking and it ends with a new way of feeling that will automatically present or produce a different result than would have happened beforehand. See, for this man in this relationship, in this marriage relationship that we talked about earlier, he was getting the forgiveness. She was forgiving him, and she was welcoming him back in. But there was no change. The thing for her to do, the thing for her to do was to tell him that she was leaving, and when he went and got the help that he needed to help him change and stop this behavior, then she was going to come back. And things could be reconciled. Does that make sense? Because he was going to be forgiven over and over and over again just to come back and do it again. But God wants to forgive him and also help him to be different, to be changed. And so for her to stay in that was admirable. And she was trying her best to be the Christian that she should be. But understanding grace a little better would help her to know that God does not want her husband to stay that way. And something that might help him is for her to get out of the picture for a while and give him a chance to let God work on him and change some things about him and for him to go get the help that he needs. Maybe some of us are not in the exact same situation, but we're in similar situations with some of the things that are going on in our lives. And here's the deal. He teaches us a different way to live. And he does it by the Holy Spirit consistently constantly empowering us to live this new way that he wants us to live he even gives us the batteries to keep the bunny going he 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 tells us and then he empowers us and that's how it's done think about it this way this is maybe a bad illustration but let's just think that a person there's an individual and he doesn't have to worry about profanity He doesn't have to worry about using curse words. He doesn't have to worry that when he's talking, that bad words are just going to pop out of his mouth because he has allowed grace to change his heart, and those words aren't even in his thoughts anymore 
so he doesn't even have to worry about him coming out. Now, wouldn't we all like to be that person in every area of our lives? I don't have to worry about that anymore because God's changed my desires and my heart in those areas. So there's a difference between using grace just for forgiveness because what it'll do is it'll have me going several times a day Ask, saying, God, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. Oh, I did it again. God, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I did it again. Oh, I'm sorry. There's a difference in that, and there's a difference in allowing His grace to change me so that I won't even go there in the first place. You know, grace is that no matter what I've done, I can go to God and talk to Him about it. But grace also is there to help me not even mess up in the first place. Does that make sense? That's grace. That's the grace of God. And finally, this is the fourth point. Grace fills us. Grace fills us with hope. Grace fills us with hope. See, our life is not meant to be a desperate fight against sin or even living very narrow-mindedly. That's religion. What he is interested in is another R word. You know what it is? It's a four-syllable word, and it ends with ship relationship he is interested in relationship he has called us into a relationship with him and verse 13 we see that it's god's grace that fills us with hope not just hope for the next life but hope for this life hope for what we're living in and going through right now and our misunderstanding of grace only being for forgiveness would lead us to allow sin to rule over us because we're just going to sin and, and ask somebody to forgive us. And we're going to do it again. And we're going to ask our wife to forgive us. Or we're going to do it again. We're going to ask our husband to forgive us. But God's grace does not want to leave us there. It doesn't want to leave us in that position. It wants to do more than just give you a clean slate and send you off. It wants to change us. And it wants to teach us. It wants to change us and teach us a new way to live. So you can look at it this way. Grace is the teacher. Grace is the teacher. We are the students. And life is the classroom. Grace is the teacher. We are the students. And life is the, is the classroom. And the whole thing is, grace is trying to teach us a new way to live so we will understand that we are no longer captives to sin. We are no longer captives to sin. We have to... Do we have to reckon ourselves dead to it? Reckon ourselves dead to it, as Romans chapter 6, 6 tells us. But you know, we choose to sin, don't we? We choose to sin, and that's bad enough. But then there's this little voice that pops into our head, and it, and it begins to drag us down deeper and deeper. And we know who this voice belongs to. We know where it comes from. It's the same person that offered the temptation in the first place that comes along and then throws condemnation at us. It's our enemy. It's our enemy. He's very good at subtly influencing us to do the wrong thing. And then he's very good at coming along after and paralyzing us with guilt. But here's what, here's what we can say about him. He is a liar. He is the father of lies. And Scripture even says that his native tongue are, is lying. But sin is dangerous. Sin will destroy us. Sin is death, is it not? Sin is death. Scripture says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So His death wipes away the penalty of sin. His death wipes away the stain of sin. So that we understand that there is therefore now no condemnation. And that there is no reason why we can't say no when he, we are being invited to do something that we know is wrong. Because He is showing us a new way to live. And this is the glory of God. That He can even take our sin, He can even take our mistakes, and He can turn it into a learning experience and something good can come out of it. Now, I'm not saying that God's, God's making you sin to teach you a lesson. 
But I'm saying he will take the sin in your life and teach you and show you a better way. To God be the glory for that. Amen? He's all about restoration. He wants us to learn from our sin. That's why he said, go and sin no more. So i got a question for you. Have you ever learned from a past sin? Have you ever learned from sin? Have you ever said, boy, I am never doing that again? That, you know, what I went through, what I experienced, I don't want to have to go through that anymore. We are to learn from our past sin. And not only has God forgiven us, not only has God forgiven us, but he is eager, eager to teach us and to shape us and mold us into the likeness of his son. That's his desire. Because is he pleased with his son? He is very pleased with his son. And he will show us the way. He will correct our steps. He doesn't do it by insisting on obedience, but he does it by revealing our heart to us. Wait a minute, what? He reveals our heart to see the things that that we should be doing? Yes, because when you were converted, when you were changed, when you were saved... He, he took that heart of stone and he gave you a new heart that contains the same desires that he has. And he's helping you realize who you are. And he's helping you realize that you are who he says you are. And the enemy does not want you to hear this. The enemy does not want you to understand this. But God does. And he wants you to be free. Do you want to be free, absolutely free, and totally free? Then here's what you do. You pray, and you pray something like this. Holy Spirit, open my eyes and my ears and my heart and my life to your grace and a greater understanding of your grace. I am thankful for the forgiveness that you have given me, but I also know that you want me to live a different way. Show me that way. Show me the way. And show me how. And I'm going to tell you what. That's a prayer God's going to answer. He will answer that prayer. And you know what you need to do? You're not, my, not like this. But you need to sit down and you need to write down the things that God's telling you. Write them in your Bible. Write them in a journal. Go back and read over them and revisit them. I, you know, I don't relish the idea and the thoughts of writing anymore like I used to. You know, as we get older, we get lazier about things, don't we? But I am so thankful for the things that I have written down and for the notes that I have taken and the things that I have put in my computer through the years because I can go back and I can see God's faithfulness. Yesterday afternoon, we were talking uh, in Teresa's hospital room, and uh, she was talking about how um, all, about all the teenagers that have gone through the youth program here at this church. And talking about how now they're, a lot of them are married and they're having kids. And, and then we got to talking about different things that happened. And, and, you know, it brought back pleasant memories. And, and it was good. It was good to revisit those things. And I, I, I gained an, uh, a renewed appreciation for the fact that God allowed me to be a part of those things. And it's good, too, to be able to go back and look and see what God is doing in your life. Because here's what will happen. The enemy will rob you of that memory. He will take it from you so that when you need it, you, you won't remember it. That's not always the case. Because the Bible also says, hide my word in your heart that you might not sin against me. But I like the idea, too, of writing things down. And on a day when I am very forgetful, and I do forget things sometimes, you can talk to my wife about that. And she'll be more than happy to sit down with you for four or five hours and talk to you about it. But it's good to be able to see God's faithfulness and to realize, yeah, I have been forgiven. I was a sinner. I've been saved by grace. He has made me a saint. I am forgiven. He has given me a new heart, a new life, and new desires. I still mess up and I still stumble because I'm still, you know, there's times when I feel like a toddler and I'm trying to find... I'm trying to find my legs and trying to do things the right way. But he is, he is that father that's right there. He's right there. And he picks me up. 
He picks me up and he says, okay, I got you. Keep going. I got you. Keep going. I got you. Keep going. Let's pray. As a matter of fact, let's all stand. I don't know if any of this has, has helped or if it's caused you to think about grace in a different way. But anytime we're confronted with the Word of God, we are confronted also with a choice. Are we going to accept this and use this in our lives or are we going to reject it? Maybe you're just thankful for it. Maybe you're thankful for the truth and the things that God's teaching you. Maybe you just want to come today and just use this altar for a time to pray. Maybe you've, you are one of those people that I mentioned earlier that that's not really, that's not a Christian. And you've been thinking about the things of God and whether or not they're real and whether or not they're true. And the Holy Spirit has dealt heavily with you today and you're ready to make a decision to follow Christ, to allow Him into your life. Maybe you have been thinking about Starktown First Baptist being your home. And you would just kind of like to make it official and do that this morning. As David plays some music, we'll give you an opportunity to do those things. Okay, um, 
before we pray, uh, I was just thinking maybe some of us are uh, frustrated with with things going on in our lives concerning sin and mistakes that we're making, and we want things to be different. And um, I was thinking about when Nicholas was a toddler, and we would go into a store, and he was just the right size for when you were at the checkout counter. Everything looked like he had to have it, you know. And so uh, I remember one day, you know, I, I was constantly telling him, stay with me. You know, get, don't look so much at that. Look at me. Follow me. You know, I was always trying to watch him, but I wanted him to watch me too. And uh, one day we were at the store, and we were in line, and uh, I had been through the now stay with daddy. And, uh, and so I noticed that the checkout line next to me had opened up. So I said, let's go. And I, I left and went around. And he didn't follow me. He was too engrossed in what he was looking at that he thought he had to have. And so uh, I could still see him from where I was standing, but he couldn't see me. And he, he, he realized I wasn't there, and he called out to me. And he was like, Daddy, Daddy. And I just kind of leaned over, and I said, I'm over here. Just come around in the corner, and you'll be right with me. And there was a marked difference for a little while anyway, because I could pull that up, and I could say, remember when, when you were scared? Because you couldn't find me, couldn't see me, well, keep your eyes on Mommy and Daddy, and, and we'll keep our eyes on you. We can kind of stay together. And, you know, whatever it is that you're struggling with, let God use that uh, to teach you. Um, he is kind of saying to you, like I said to Nicholas, you know, come with me, follow me. We're keeping our eyes on that thing that we feel like we have to have, and it and before we before long we're looking around it's like we can't find find our father he is always there he's always got our, his eyes on us but he wants us to follow him and he wants us to turn from those things and that's grace the grace of the father who is not fed up with his kid doing this again and saying i'm done with you go find another daddy he's not going to do that his grace is he'll he'll bring us back in and he'll say Let's learn from this. i got a better way for you to live. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your love and for your Father's heart that you have for us. And uh, we just look forward to knowing more and understanding better uh, this beautiful gift called grace. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>